All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we're back for another brand new episode, brand new guest. With me today, the CEO and co-founder of Photobooth Supply Company, Brandon Wong. Thanks, Brandon, for making time for the Boca Podcast community. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. Well, and, and I want to start off the conversation with something that's kind of fun. So I was I was looking at your personal Instagram account today before we jumped on this call, and um, I noticed the profile picture, which I think is pretty brilliant. I, I've probably said this on the podcast before. I tend to be a, a little bit uptight as a personality, and I think it plays well in some cases as the CEO and an owner of a company. But um, I am trying to learn how to have more fun and to relax a little bit, not take myself so seriously. I would love your thoughts on this based on that profile picture. Yeah, it's funny that you asked that. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, I never wanted to be CEO. I was always that alternative, crazy, wild, you know, uh, the joker in the class. And, you know, this position kind of fell upon me. So I had this duality with my team members and my company, like, man, you know, Brandon can get down to business and get stuff done at, the, at that same time. He's also that the craziest person in the company at this. So yeah, I, how do you play both? I think you just need to be yourself. Uh, and um, if you are that more serious person, it's okay to be that person for me. Like I, I am not that serious and I cannot do that 24 seven would kill me. So I need to have that balance in work life and in your personal life as well. Uh, but thanks for reminding me. I need to change that profile picture though, for sure. Not at all. No, no, no. And so just to give further context to everybody listening in, this is a picture of Brandon. He's got his eyes closed. There's this like really harsh flash on his face, eyes closed, tongue sticking out all the way. Um, pretty, pretty hilarious picture. And you can see that if you go to Instagram.com slash Brandon underscore Wong. And of course, we'll also put this in the show notes. Photoboo Supply Co. is the Instagram account for Photoboo Supply Company, photoboothsupplyco.com. We'll put all of this in the show notes at bookapodcast.com. But I love starting out that way. And, I, you know, to your point, Brandon, about just kind of being ourselves, I think there is significance to that conversation. Um, but I, I feel like our culture has kind of gone to the opposite extreme almost where we're like, just be yourselves. And the conversation ends there with the suggestion that we can't be anything other than our quote selves, which ironically really is this kind of arbitrary idea. I mean, we have the ability to choose who we want to be. I've, one of the ways that I've learned to step outside my box of being kind of uptight and, and, um, just a little bit, I don't know, it's just not relaxed enough. Um, it's been to a couple of things. I mean, I've gone skydiving a couple of times now. I've bought multiple motorcycles, I've been out in the racetrack, and I've done these things that scare me, that push me outside of my comfort zone, which on the other side of that experience has have been just invigorating and have helped me learn to to relax, continue to learn to relax a little bit more. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you have to spend time for yourself. And I think as solopreneurs, it's easy to work 24-7 and not segregate a few hours a day for Nathan time, for Brandon time, for you time. The more you find out about yourself, the more you have these interests, and this is going to partake into these questions here, uh, I think the more that you're going to find will resonate and click with your clients as well. And the more the things you have in common with them, the better. So yeah, spend time for yourself. Just because you're focusing all your time on business doesn't mean it's going to grow. Focusing yourself, focusing time, excuse me, on yourself and growing your personality and growing your interests will also subsequently grow your business as well. Because ultimately, as, as photographers and as, as service-oriented people, we are selling ourselves. So the better and the more time we're spending on ourselves, the better your product's going to be. Yeah, but you, you said a phrase in there, which I really want to highlight. And this was kind of my point was, you know, we have the ability to, as you said, grow our personality. There's so much conversation in our culture and in our industry, even specifically about, 
you know, Enneagram, for example, or personality types. And it seems like we just kind of get stuck at that place. And, and I, could, I could have said, could continue to say, for that matter, that I'm a, quote, introvert, and I'm an uptight personality. This is just who I am. And I could continue to live that way, and yet I would miss out both in my personal life, I would miss out in business, if I wasn't open-minded to the reality, which is that I can make choices to move beyond those so-called boxes that I'm, that I'm currently living in. There's opportunity for growth. So I'm glad that you highlight that. And I think we should all take the opportunity to step outside our, our tiny little boxes at times and, um, and maybe go against the flow a little bit. It could be an experience we can all learn from. And I'd love that you highlight that here at the beginning of the conversation. But yeah, let's just jump right into um, the questions for today. And I've been starting out the conversations with a question about customer experience. I'm wondering if you have learned a particular principle that's been most impactful as a photographer and now owner of Photo Booth Supply Company um, that has made a big impact in delivering a great customer experience. Absolutely. So uh, I want to start with this fact that I found this morning, which is 80% of buyers are willing to pay more for a great customer experience in 2020. So that is like the number one thing that I think everybody should be focusing on. Um, and I think customer experience and what people need varies from industry to industry. So my answer for anyone in the service-based industry, especially a wedding photographer, I think boils down to two things, is number one, availability, and then number two, your ability to humanize yourself. Um, so when I go talk about availability, um, when I talk, it's, it's insane, Nathan. There's so many photographers out there that do not respond to people mm. on a timely manner. Yeah. Like not even, I'm not even talking like 24 hours. Like some people take two, three days to respond to people. So you have to put yourself in the mind of a bride or a groom and they are reaching out to dozens of wedding photographers. They're busy, right? And if you don't respond back to them in a timely manner, they could have already done, had a meeting with somebody, signed the contract, booked by the time that you even got the first response out. So have your phone, it's, it's literally attached to your body. There's no excuse. Get back to people in a timely manner. We at Photo Booth Supply Co. close so many deals just off the mere fact that we respond to people hmm. on a timely matter. Yeah. No joke. We could, I mean, I like to think that we have the best product out there, but like people will literally say to us like, hey, you know what? I was looking at this other company. They have X, Y, and Z that I like better. But because you guys responded and you guys are listening to me, I want to go with you guys. And so just the response time is a huge selling point for your company. Well, you're, you're yeah, simply you showing have, somebody that they that they actually matter to you, right? Rather than just being an, another number. Absolutely, and you have all the tools. You have your phone. There's no excuse. Yeah. Pick up the phone. You know, answer that DM, answer that email, text them back. You have all the tools in your pocket with you, twenty four seven. Don't be lazy, guys. That's a great point too. Just because I, I think you know, I'm, I'm thinking about this in the context as you pointed out. I mean, we we own companies that have had the opportunity to work with thousands of photographers. But the average sole proprietor, let's take a wedding photographer, for example, might be shooting 20 to 30 weddings a year. So we're not talking about an insane number of clients that they have to respond to. So there really is little excuse for not responding immediately. All they have to do is, as you said, pick up their phone, respond to the DM, respond to the email. doesn't take much time. They can even use templates if they absolutely have to. And it would just take a few seconds. It can make all the difference. Absolutely. Um, and this kind of goes to the second point, which is humanized. So I know you mentioned the word templates and I, I would, again, try to avoid that actually okay. as much as possible. Okay. Uh, I know it's, uh, for people like us, you know, we we're dealing with thousands of people and uh, at that point you might need to resort to a macro or a template or something like sure. that. Um, but when you, 
you're getting like, you know, five, 10 emails a day. And let's be honest, guys, like a lot of uh, us starting off as solopreneurs, we're not getting inundated with, with emails, right? Right, right? You have the time to do what Nathan did with me, research their Instagram, you know, look at their wedding website and personalize that initial response. Hey, I love this dress. Oh my God, I love the story about how you guys got engaged. Humanize them, but also humanize yourself as well. Like, don't try to be someone you're not. Going back to what we just discussed earlier in the mm. conversation, like, I'm not that super strict CEO. You know, I have a profile picture with my tongue out, <laughs> you know? And that's me, dude. Like, that is totally Brandon Wong. Like, I wouldn't want to be anybody else. So, you know, if you are yourself, your clients are going to love you so much more and want to book you so much more rather than trying to be somebody you're not. And you're going to feel fake during that wedding day. You're going to feel fake during that consultation. You're not going to be able to feel good about making that money. But if they want to book you for who you really are, that that Brandon Wong tongue sticking out dude, you know, you're going to feel better about yourself. And the customer is also going to love that experience with you so much more because you can be yourself on the wedding day. Um, so availability and humanize them and humanize yourself. Brilliant. Well, and you spoke to the significance of the difference that being personal and, and being responsive is made in your business. But just on a much broader scale, there are other photo booth companies in the industry. It almost seemed like, I don't know, in the last three or four years, everybody's like, oh, there's an opportunity to start a photo booth company. Let's do it. And so there are a lot of players in the industry, which means that you have a bit of competition. How do you distinguish your brand from the other businesses? What is your brand position? Yeah. So starting a business can be expensive and time consuming and complicated. Yeah. So our affordable photo booths come with a profitable and proven strategy so you can create a business and life you love. So in that angle, we try not to tell people that we sell a photo booth. Hmm. The problem that we're really solving here, Nathan, is the need for additional income, the need for having a turnkey business that's easy to implement. You know, we're wedding photographers. We're busy. We have clients to, to talk to. We have photos to edit. Um, hopefully not because they're using photographers at it. Uh, you know, Shout we out. have shoots to go on <laughs> and, and we're busy, right? Like who has a time to build a completely new brand, um, to, in, to invent a photo booth from scratch, to, to build a sample contract, to, to create marketing materials. That's very time consuming. So obviously we pride ourselves in having the best hardware as well. But what we really do is provide a profitable and proven strategy that's turnkey, ready to go. You plug it in and you're ready to have a business that's ready to make you money. That's our angle. Well, and, and you do a beautiful job of putting this above the fold. This is something I harp on so much on the podcast. We talk a lot about brand position. And one of the issues with brand position and photographers in our industry is that many times, even if they do have one, uh, they don't put it where it's obvious. And so you have to scroll down and kind of you know get through paragraphs of text to find what their position statement and even is. I land on photoboothsupplyco.com and the first thing I see is in big, bold text, we build photo booths that make you money. And so, and, and then if I scroll down, there's, there's a, you build on that idea. You start with that position statement, but you build on that idea. And I love this calculator, the profit calculator, where photographers can actually see how much they could be making in addition to whatever they're doing with their business with your photo booth. Yeah. A lot of people, that's actually the most engaged tool that we have on our website because you got to think of the customer journey. Like, what is the first question that they're going to ask you? Well, first of all, nobody really 
uh, has really thought about a photo book business other than like people in the wedding industry. Obviously, it's right in front of you. Right. Uh, for most people, though, they're like, oh, a photo book business? How do you how do you make money off of that? How, how much do you charge? How do you? So we try to answer all those questions in the form of this little really fun prof- profit calculator here, um, and it's fun people sliding on the scales and stuff like that. So yeah, thanks for the chat, man. I appreciate that. No, of course. Well, and and we're gonna talk about what it means as photographers. I mean, our primary point of conversation today we're gonna be discussing is is generating passive income. And I mean, that is a great segue to Photoboost Supply Company, but I want to make sure that everybody walks away with really important principles that they can apply regardless. Uh, it just so happens that Brandon has actually started a company to demonstrate this, which I think is, is really great. So everybody listening in, if you go to photoboostsupplyco.com, you can see what I'm talking about here. One of the few great examples that we've had on the podcast too, of actually putting your brand position front and center above the fold i.e. you don't have to scroll in order to find it. And I think that's really important as business owners to make sure that we immediately communicate how we are different than other businesses in our particular marketplace. But let's jump to the next question. Let's talk about time. You've got your hands full, obviously, with a big team and running a business. But how do you also simultaneously create space for yourself and the important people in your life? Yeah, that's really important, especially now where there is no environmental difference between your work life and your personal life. And that can be extremely challenging for a lot of people, especially with your, now your professional life being inundated with kids running around with pets running around. So it it can be extremely, extremely difficult. So my number one thing is discipline equals freedom. Hmm. And in order to do that, you need to create a schedule. So especially as a solopreneur too, no one is telling you when to clock in and clock out. No one is telling you getting on your ass about a you have a due date coming up for this this edit. There's a due date coming up for this this wedding album. You know, like no one's telling you that. Yeah. So while a lot of people start this business being like, man, this is freedom. No one's telling me what to do anymore. It's actually the opposite. You're actually creating a lot of chaos in your life by not having someone project management your ass. Mm-hmm. So you need to project manage your own life. And that starts with creating a schedule. Hey, I'm at by 8.30 a.m., I'm going to be working until 5.30 p.m. From 8.30 to 9.30, I'm going to be answering emails. From 9.30 to 10.30, I'm going to be editing images from blah, 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 blah. And really schedule out your day. So you have a strict start and a strict end time. And that restriction is going to get your ass to work. It's going to get your ass to creatively figure out how to get that stuff done during that time. And then schedule out Conversely, your personal time too. Hey, I'm going to be working out from 5.30 to 6.30. This, I'm husband and wife time from 7.30 to 9.30, you know? So like really schedule out every single hour of your day. And going back to what I said initially, discipline equals freedom. The more that you schedule yourself, the more that you actually have that freedom during times that you're not scheduled to do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. I mean, the idea of structure and artistic freedom or just freedom in general are not mutually exclusive. And I think a lot of people get caught up in the idea that, well, I'm not an organized person. I'm not a structured person. Um, You know, I'm an artist. I'm a photographer. I'd like the freedom to just kind of do what I want when I want, because that gives me the freedom to create and to be inspired and so forth. And and the reality is we're also business owners, uh, or at least I would like to think so. And if you're going to run a business, you're going to do so effectively and not ultimately get burnt out. You have to be more intentional with your schedule than that. And as Brandon points out, I mean, that very action of being disciplined, of being structured, even if it's a little bit, it can be a loose schedule. 
it gives you the structure, which then ultimately gives you the freedom in the end to, to be the business owner and then the individual that you want. And I think you can have the best of both worlds. And it, just to give an example too, I mean, my, my goal as far as the daily flow personally would be to, to have about an hour or so uh, I call it my daily flow, and I've got this document I'm looking at. I never know it right now. Um, in addition to starting with you know, just kind of reading and, and a workout, self-help work, if you will, uh, first thing in the day, my goal is then to, to spend time doing something that's creative in nature that ultimately will be tied in some way to my business. Spend about an hour doing that, a couple hours or so, maybe three hours on my three MITs, the most important tasks, a bit of meditation, and then content creation, because a lot of what I do is centers around content communication, email, task, project management, uh, phone calls, social media, et cetera, communication for maybe an hour and a half or so a day. And then at the end of the day to pick the three MITs for the following day. Now I have to admit, I've been pretty loose in my schedule in the last week, week and a half. My kids are on spring break. Um, you know, we're stuck at home with coronavirus and it, and it's been a bit more challenging to be structured, but I think at the end of the day, to Brandon's point, you just have to do it and the results will be incredible. So I, I appreciate you highlighting that, Brandon. I think this is a really good conversation. Um, and really, it's a great segue to the next question, which has to do with outsourcing and delegating. What, what is, is, have you found, I mean, you, you already mentioned having a team, um, but what have the biggest benefits been in delegating some of the work so that you can ultimately grow your business? Yeah, so I know a lot of uh, listeners here might not be at that point where they have like 20 team members, but I did start off with just one person. So a lot of things that I learned along the way were I started this business uh, as a wedding photographer when I was 18 years old. And my then girlfriend, now wife, was also in it with me. And the mistakes that we first had was we both did everything together. So we both shot, we both edited, we both called, we both did everything top to bottom. Hmm. And that created a lot of chaos. <laughs> you know, we had a lot of conversations and debates over, you know, who's editing is better. Should it be more yep. warm? Should it be more cool? Yep. Should, should we edit this thing out? Should we not edit that? Hey, that, that's a mole. No, that's a pimple. <laughs> like, <laughs> all these different things. You know, what I recommend when you're first trying to figure out, you know, when you're inundated with work and you're only working by yourself, try to draw a Venn diagram. And the Venn diagram should have three parts. One is what you're passionate about. Hmm. The second one is to be what you're good at. And the third one is what people will pay you for. Okay. And it has to be in the center of those three. So once you find that, and that, that will likely, if you're a photographer, be shooting, right? Um, but what might not be in there is editing, right? For me, I found that I, I was good at it and people would pay me for it, but I wasn't passionate about it, especially doing it you know, 20, 30 hours a week. Right. I was getting really burnt out there. Yeah. So even though it met two out of the three circles, it was out. So I either figured, hey, you know, I asked Katrina, which is, you know, my then girlfriend, now wife, business partner, do you want to edit? And she was like, hell no, I don't want to edit either. So that's when we found someone outsourced. So find someone like photographers edit uh, or hire an in-house person. Um, I recommend just you know, Nathan's got everything under control. I recommend definitely doing something like that. And and starting to, f uh, from that point, figure out what are the other tasks that you starting to want to outsource as well. Uh, but yeah, try to, again, so to summarize this, try to find what's in the middle of what you're passionate about, what you're good at, and also what people will pay you for. Everything else, delegate. And when it comes to delegation, um, one of the things I've been most curious about and, and frankly, needing growth in is learning how to communicate effectively. Is there something that you've learned in the process of delegating and, of course, growing your team 
that has made a big impact when it comes to the communication piece of it, helping them understand what it is that you want done? Yeah, and we went through a lot of learning curves ourselves um, with learning how to delegate and outsource. So when you're first starting to delegate, you you have this uh, issue where like, hey, mate, they, they know exactly what I want. I'm just going to give Nathan all my raw images and he'll know exactly how I want them edited, you know? <laughs> And that's not going to be the case. Right, you know. Right. Uh, Nathan and his team can look at your galleries, look at your websites and still not know exactly what you want. 100%. So, so what I, we, we follow this uh, system here at PhotoBoost Supply Co called GSD, uh, which some people attribute to like get shit done. Yeah. So uh, we, we changed that to goals, specifics, and deadlines. Okay. So starting from the top here, goals. It's important to list out what exactly you want to get done here and not like at the at a at a granular level so let's just say like hey i want to have a, a graphic designer create a flyer for me right um the goal here would not be hey make this flyer right the goal is actually hey this flyer is actually going to be used for a trade show to attract people to want to book my wedding photography services, book my photo booth services. So when we hand that out, this task out to the person you're delegating to, they now are empowered because they not know, hey, this is not just to make a flyer. The goal here is actually to get more leads in and to convert people. So they now have the ability to modify the flyer at their will to help achieve that goal. You're essentially doubling um, your efficacy there and creating another business owner in that regard because they know what the goal is. Um, the second thing is specifics. And this is where you really got to drill down. So like, hey, I need this flyer to be 800 by 1200 pixels in a Photoshop format in CMYK. And it's going to be uploaded to you know XYZ printing yeah. company, yep. stuff like that. So again, that obviously removes a lot of back and forth. So tell them to your editing company, like, hey, I will need these exported as TIFF files, as JPEG files. I need these uh, files compressed. Uh, I need to use these types of presets. If I'm if I'm doing a black and white, these are criteria for having a black and white. And just have it be really, really simple and straightforward. And the last thing is deadline, um, which seems obvious initially. Uh, but, you know, with photographers edit and people that you're giving tasks to, they could be inundated with projects. So it's important you can almost replace that word deadlines with priority. Like how much of a priority is this, is this album design? Is mm. this, is this edit here? Is this more priority than these other things? So whenever I have a deadline to say, Hey, this is the the hard deadline. I need this actually done in eight weeks because that's in my contract. I need to actually get this out by then. But I do want to go above and beyond for this individual. So if you can get it done in four weeks, that'd be great too. So again, deadline is almost replaceable with, where is this in the priority list? So again, GSD, get shit done, or we call it goals, specifics, and deadlines. It's important to have all three. Man, this is really good. I'm, I'm literally going to add that to my kind of daily flow because I'll tell you, <laughs> and, and one, of, one of the reasons that, that I kind of laughed when you were talking about breaking the specifics down is that's, that's where my biggest weakness is. I can come up with the big goals and I can communicate those goals to my team, but I just find the details very tedious. And, and in my kind of... I guess, ignorant world, I'm, I'm like, I just want to be able to say, here's the goal. Okay, now let's figure out, go just figure out ways to make that goal happen without being willing to actually take the time to break down the specifics and give them very specific detailed instructions. Not so ironically, this is something that we've seen at Photographer's Edit for, for years now. And maybe it's just a photographer, kind of emo, emotional artist persona type. I, I don't know what, but 
ultimately photographers will come to us kind of like you were describing Brandon and just say, Hey, do the editing and without giving us the specifics. And then they get frustrated when, when we don't give them back exactly what it was that they were looking for. And I mean, our editors are amazing and just truly amazing. I thought, you know, I was good at least to, to be able to design the workflow. And then I see them implementing and it's pretty mind blowing, but um, they can't read minds and really nobody can read minds. And this holds true with personal relationships. It holds true with business relationships. We have to actually, first of all, know what it is that we want and then be able to break it down in such detail that we're able to effectively communicate it to somebody. And uh, so I really like this goals, specifics, and then deadlines. Um, I'm truly, I'm going to add it to my daily flow. And this is something that I need to work at being better at. So thanks for the inspiration there. If nothing else, Brandon, this is going to be a beneficial episode for me. <laughs> and, and hopefully the listeners get something out of it too. But this has been really, really great so far. Talk to me about impactful business or self-help book that you've read or listened to in the last few years that you've found particularly impactful. Yeah, man. Um, God, I can go on and on and on about books. But I would say if you want to be very technical about your question, the most impactful one I've ever read, one that's made the most difference in my life, it has to be How to Win Friends and Influence People. Yes. I know it's a popular book. I know everyone's read it. I know everyone beats it down like a dead horse. But like <laughs> before reading that book, Nathan, I was the most shy person in the world. I could not talk to random strangers. Okay. Walked my head down. Like ang- huge anxiety. Uh, whenever anyone communicated with me that wasn't in my close circle of friends, I was like truly an introvert in that respect, which would be strange because you're, you know, in the beginning, I talked about I'm that crazy rambunctious dude. That book took it out of me. Like I turned into who I really was after reading that book. Um, and I was able to then sit on an airplane with random people and have a conversation with them for five hours straight afterwards. And I was able to leverage those uh, techniques that I learned uh, in order to grow my business to where it is today as well. So definitely the biggest impact that I had was, again, how to win friends and influence people. I got a bunch of other books for other things too, but that was the biggest impact for sure. Right. This is fascinating to me though, because there are a lot of photographers in our industry that label themselves introverts. And as I mentioned earlier, they kind of, the conversation stopped there. That's just like, this is who I am, period. And I mean, this is ironic because it, of course, causes many issues as a business owner. You're supposed to connect with people you don't know in order to book business. And people are more, they tend to be more drawn to somebody who is open, as you were talking about earlier, who's friendly and warm and willing to sit and have a conversation and make eye contact. How how did this book, I mean, I've read the book at least once, potentially even more, but um, how did this book actually make a difference in learning to step outside of your shell? Because I think this is something that would benefit many photographers. Yeah, totally. And I think like breaking down scientifically was, I, th- I don't know if communication and connecting with people comes naturally for a lot of individuals. And like for me growing up, I was raised in a Chinese household. So like our, by our culture, we are technically very different from the American culture, which is like loud and loving and hugging. And, sure. you know, like I didn't grow up in a family where like they were very physically affectionate sure. and very different from what I was seeing on television. So like, I was like, how do I, like, that doesn't, that's not my family. That's not me. Like how, mm. how do you organically be like that? So what the book taught me was like really like scientifically just how to emulate it. Like, Hey, you know what? When you're talking to somebody, your body posture should be facing them. You should be leaning forward You have eye contact, yeah. you know, use your and express with your hands use emotion. So I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm a good Asian student. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take these things as principles and actually execute them. So and st- like, I don't know if I even still find it like 
organic or natural, but I was able to take these principles. Okay, cool. When I'm talking to someone, I need to do X, Y, and Z. Do it. Okay, cool. And after practicing that for years and years and years, now it's become commonplace. And now it's just like part of my natural personality. Um, But it, it just, again, teaches you like very scientifically exactly what to do. So you're not, you're not stressing again of like, okay, what is that person thinking about me? Okay, no, the book told me to do this. So instead of exerting my energy, thinking about how to position my body and how to talk, right. I'm going to be focusing more of my attention on being engaged with that person and, and being empathetic and trying to give them value. So I, I don't know if that makes any sense. A hundred percent makes sense. And, and I'm so glad that you highlight this because it, it's an example of what I was talking about earlier. You have the ability to make a choice to ultimately develop as an individual in the direction that you want to. You also highlight the fact that our so-called personality in many cases is just a reflection of the way that we were raised. I mean, I, my, my tendencies toward introversion had a lot to do with the way that I was raised. And I, was, I took a step back. I, I looked at what was at the root of that, addressed that, and that enabled me to step out as well. But you have to, you have to first of all, I guess, embrace the, the fact that we can make change and then be willing to put those actions in place as you did. And I think this is just a wonderful example, again, for our listeners. I'm, I'm really glad that you highlight this. Of course, for everybody listening in, if you haven't read the book yet, we'll link to it in the show notes. If you go to bookapodcast.com or if you look at the show notes in your favorite podcast app, we'll link to the book from there. Make sure you grab it. It is, it's fascinating, too, because the book was written close to 100 years ago, and yet the principles are still so highly applicable. I think that's really interesting as well, but make sure to check out that book. Let's jump to our, our primary point of conversation today, which has to do with passive income though. And you know, this is a, this is not a phrase, first of all, that you hear very often in the industry. And then if it comes up, I think a lot of times you get eye rolls or some comment about, you know, Tim Ferriss's four hour work week and yet again, more eye rolls. Why, why do you think this is the default mentality? Like the, the notion of passive income is not possible as a photographer. Yeah, well, I, I think before we dive into this, I think we need to define like what passive income is. Okay. And you know, technically, passive income is, is money you make without lifting a finger. It just like automatically just starts flowing to your bank account. And I think that's why you get a lot of eye rolls because there's nothing that's just free money. It, it's not out there, right? Fair, fair. So the, the two most common forms of like passive income is just like money in the stock market, right? Um, or like rental properties. So that's what like majority of the population has. But how do you get money to put in the stock market in the beginning? You need to work your ass off. True. How do you get a rental property in the beginning? You got to work your ass off, right? Yeah, or be yeah. more rich parents. Uh, <laughs> either way. Um, but y- y- even with the rental property, right? You got to have a rental property manager. If somebody breaks something, you got to fix it. Like th- there is still some sort of mental energy um, and time being put into passive income. So like true passive income exists, maybe, but Likely, like 99% of the times out there, passive income really for me, Nathan, is something that takes you uh, money you make without lifting too much of your finger. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The technical definition. That's good. Exactly. Exactly. So like coming back into everything, like being a photographer, and I'll go back to my story here, man. When I was starting out 18 years old, right? Started growing up and started uh, graduating from college. I was fortunately making enough money to where I could do that full time. So I did not need to go do the job. But again, having Asian parents, they're like, hey, you're not making enough money. You're not making as much money as your, your, your doctor friends, your lawyer friends, et cetera. Sure. So I'm like, okay, well, that's true. And they'll say, okay, what are you going to do about your, you don't have a pension plan. You don't have a 401k matching. You don't have any of this stuff. And I'm like starting to think like, holy shit, you're right. Like I, I'm young now, but I got to start thinking 10, 20, 30, 40 years in the future. 
what's going to happen to me? I'm in a very physical job. What if I get injured? What if I get too old? Right? Hmm. If if something happens where I'm I'm out of position for three months, who's going to shoot the weddings for me? You know, so you mean you didn't want to photograph weddings when you were seventy years old, Brandon? Exactly, right? <laughs> and and so it was it was getting difficult. And like we weren't charging a cheap price. Like we got to a point where we were doing like six to ten thousand dollars a wedding. Yeah. Right. But there was again only so many people that could afford that price point, etc. So ultimately again, we weren't saving enough to have a, a, a sizable retirement plan. We weren't saving enough to have, you know, in a, a situation where I did get injured before I was 65 and, and needed to rely on um, something else. So I started worrying and I was like, you know what? It's really imperative for us to create multiple streams of income. So initially I tried hiring associate photographers and that was a pain in the ass. So we, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it came down to we were paying them so much money and it was a really high risk job as well. Sure. So at our level, when we were charging like six, $10,000 a wedding, someone associated with their brand also need to be of similar skill set. Right. So that came down to us paying that associate photographer a lot. And then, of course, you know, as you scale, you you want to outsource your editing. Um, you know, plug in photographers edit again. So we we did Thank that you. as well. That also cuts into our profitability. Right. And and ultimately, in the end, we we're counting everything. Like, wow, we're only making like eight hundred to a thousand dollars every single time this associate photographer goes out. And every single time that associate photographer goes out, what if they lose the wedding rings? What mm. if they lose a memory card? What yeah. if they show up late? What if they piss off the client? Et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And I'm sure you've heard many horror stories, like one bad review could ruin your company. Yeah. So especially in a wedding photography business where everybody has a hundred five-star reviews, right? Like it's it's difficult. So we're trying to think, okay, how do we turn this associate photographer into something that's automated and something that doesn't get pregnant, doesn't get be, be late, you know, <laughs> shows up on time, et cetera. Um, like, and doesn't run away and start their own business. And we're like, oh, a photo booth. Everyone's asking us for this. It's high in demand. People are paying a lot of money for it and it doesn't require a lot of work. So we actually went out and bought a photo booth and it was $15,000. Oh my word. Nathan. Yeah. And just, just for reference, our photo booths are only $3,000 and it comes with a business plan. So this was 15 grand. Didn't come with anything. Very little support. And it was massive, dude. It was one of those things where you had to like, <laughs> it was like seven feet tall. It was like a, it's a structure. You don't, you don't walk inside it with a curtain. Yeah. So we had to rent a U-Haul trailer every single time we, we wrote it out. Oh, wow. And we had hired two people to put it together because it wasn't enough for just one person. So the thing was, ultimately, in the end, it still made us more money than an associate photographer and with way less risk hmm. because we didn't need to hire someone that was skilled. We just need to hire someone that could be a friendly, happy person to run their events right. um, and just push a button, essentially, right? So... It all worked out, but ultimately we were like, hey, you know what? We need to make this easier because I'm sick and tired of spending my Fridays going to U-Haul and spending my Sundays returning the U-Haul. So we made a photo booth of our own. And every single month it would like break because it wasn't great. So we made a better one and a better one. It's kind of like Iron Man, right? Like so they keep improving, keep improving, keep improving. And then it got to the point where a lot of our wedding industry friends were like, Hey, Brandon, Katrina, are you guys selling that photo booth? Cause we're having the same pain point as you, you know, I'm 40, I'm 50 years old. I'm my body's hurting. I don't know how much longer I can shoot weddings for. I need a plan B. 
So we're Katrina and I got our heads together. Hey, you know, let's sell this to help these people grow another revenue stream. So WPPI was coming up in three weeks. And we looked at each other and said, let's do it. So in three weeks, Nathan, we built a brand, a logo, a website, uh, video promo. We built business cards, pamphlets. We built the prototype of the photo booth. We built the um, trade show booth itself. We built the business from the ground up in three weeks. Wow. Went to WPPI and it was wildly successful. And we actually even doubled the amount of sales. We did a WPPI that week afterwards from all the buzz. And just a fun aside here, one of the photo booths that we hand delivered to in Las Vegas, uh, a few weeks after the show, we, we took that money that they gave us. They actually gave us a lot of cash. Uh, and then we went to the Las Vegas Strip. And then I bought Katrina an engagement ring. And then we got married six months after that. No so, way. What a cool story. Yeah. So the same year we started Photo Booth Slack, we actually started our marriage as well. And that was, like, I think, seven years ago at this point. So wow. It's all come full circle. Okay. So um, just, I mean, one of the things that probably is coming to mind for the photographers that are listening is like, they're like, well, okay, we're supposed to be, we're talking about passive income here and Brandon's talking about photo supply company and that's cool, but I don't know what, I don't know what this means for me. Like, how do I, how do I create and generate passive income for myself? Um, I'd, I'd love to share some practical examples in a second, but I'm, I'm a big fan of starting with principles. I mean, you mentioned the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. The principles innate to that book enabled you to be able to step outside yourself and grow as an individual. Can we start with some principles behind even establishing passive income in the first place so that photographers listening in can apply this to their lives? Absolutely. So first, you have to understand that as a photographer, anyone in the service-based industry, you are trading your time for money. So you cannot make money unless you are physically there. So first and foremost, you need to create a product or service that does not require your time because that is not the definition of passive income. You got to, you know, lift a little bit of your finger, right? Not all your finger. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, whether that be a photo booth uh, and it could be something like a social photographers, if you know how to do that well, for me, it didn't work out, right? But that doesn't mean that you can't do it too. If you're a famous photographer, maybe you're famous for your editing style, you might be able to sell presets, right? It's, it's, a, it's a product. Um, you can put it on your Instagram to, to promote and you can kind of sneak in every now and then. Uh, again, if you uh, are a great educator and you have a good following, you can also sell educational courses. So those are just some of the ideas you can have uh, to create additional revenue streams, create this passive revenue here. And then from that point, you're going to start to get busy. So when Katrina and I first started Photobooth Supply Co., we were doing our wedding photography business on top of Photobooth Supply Co., and it was just getting wild. So we implemented this process called Eliminate, Automate, Delegate. Okay. So what this is, is number one is Eliminate. So we had to look at our business at a high level and think, okay, what are the non-profitable services that we offer? And just get rid of that altogether, right? Don't waste your time on that. So for for us, it was a lot of the like engagement sessions. We're like, dude, it's, we spend all day on engagement session and we're only charging like 600, 800 bucks. Like at the end of the day, we're not making that much money. And at a photo booth is making double that and we don't even need to be there. So get rid of that. Hmm. Um, actually, we didn't get rid of it. We just charge a lot more for it. <laughs> we charged okay. $1,500 for an engagement session and only one of us showed up. Wow. And we thought like, hey, no one's going to book this. And it turns out everybody still did. Uh, so, that's awesome. you know, whatever. Uh, I still showed up. It was fun. Um, but yeah, so first eliminate. What are the non-profitable 
services that you offer um, and just, just go completely get rid of that, right? If you're a DJ listening to, I know a lot of people offer like, hey, no, all the other DJs are offering lighting. I'm going to offer lighting too. Again, look at your actual cost per time in renting out that lighting, your, your time you have uh, and your space you have renting your warehouse to have that lighting. Is that really making you guys money in the end? So just really take a really deep dive into that. Uh, and eliminate could not just be your services too. It could be eliminating any sort of processes that you have that is just superfluous, right? And the next thing is, is automate. So we luckily live in a world where you know robots are going to rule the world eventually. And there's a lot of apps out there that can do a lot of the stuff that you do for you. Um, so you look at stuff like you know Tave and Honeybook and these CRMs out there. They do the quoting for you. They follow up for you. They collect the money for you. Like, do you really need to be doing that? So try to find a lot of these apps out there that can automate the process for you. And not just in terms of like admin work too, but also maybe some of the, the email marketing follow-ups. Like, is there something like MailChimp out there that can continually um, hit up clients and hit up leads that haven't um, said yes yet? So we've eliminated all the things that don't make us money. And now we're automating everything else. Right. So a robot's doing it for us. And the last part is delegating. If you can't eliminate it, it's profitable and you cannot automate it and needs to have some personal service, then delegate. So now you have to go back to what we did before. Is like, what are the things that we want to delegate, right? What are the things in the middle of our, what we're passionate about? What are we good at? And what do people pay us to do? Keep doing those things. And then anything outside those three circles, find someone that's actually passionate and good at and gets paid for doing that stuff. So that could be, again, editing. Um, that could be shooting weddings even. Uh, and maybe you, don't, maybe you don't even shoot weddings anymore, right? And it could be doing your photo booth events for you, et cetera. So eliminate, automate, delegate. Cool. Okay. So, and this is interesting. It very much follows the, the thought processes that I've shared here on the podcast. I love that we're on the same page with this stuff. It, it's, it's interesting too how you pointed out, I mean, we are in 2020. There is incredible, there are incredible resources out there that are either free or cost a minimal amount that enable us to scale our efforts because we are sole proprietors leveraging those tools like the CRMs that you mentioned can make a massive, massive difference in our ability to be able to have more freedom and more flexibility. So even if we don't come up with a product or a service that doesn't involve our time that, you know, that we can sell um, on an ongoing basis, kind of automatically, we can at the very least do these things and it'll make a difference in the, the flexibility, the freedom that we have as our, as business owners. Absolutely. That's really good. Any other closing thoughts here um, before I, I do want to give you the opportunity just to kind of share a little bit more about Photo Booth Supply Company, but just general principles or ideas, takeaways for our listeners when it comes to this, this idea of passive income, because I do want to encourage our listeners to, to at least proactively think this way. Maybe right now is not the exact time. There might be an opportunity later on. I, you mentioned presets. A lot of photographers are selling presets, but a lot of photographers are jumping on that education bandwagon. Um, may not always be the best fit for anybody listening in. But um, I, I do want our listeners to think about this proactively. Are there any other thoughts um, as we close here about how they should think about this idea of generating passive income? Yeah. And I don't want people to get too hung up on the idea of like passive income. And I don't want you guys to go on this Google hunt of like, hey, things I could do for passive income. Because a lot of that stuff is like, honestly, a big scam. So I, I, I want you guys to really, if you're going to have one thing to take away from this, come out of this with, I am not a creative. I am a business owner. Hmm. I am not a creative. I am a business owner. Okay. If you're a photographer or you're an artist, 
and you really love that, then work for somebody and do photography full time. But you guys are listening to this podcast. You guys are likely entrepreneurs. You guys have a responsibility to have a profitable income and a profitable business. And that needs to be your main focus. Okay. So in that regard, you need to also find redundancies and ways to make money, not just trading your time for money, not just wedding photography. So really think of other ways that you could diversify your streams of income. Again, whether that be a photo booth, presets, educational materials, maybe make a podcast, you know, whatever, you have more time than you can probably imagine. And if you really were able to go back to what we listened to today and create a schedule for yourself, I bet you you're only working around 20 hours a week, 25 hours a week. 100%. Yep. Right. Let's be honest here. Right. This is not a 40 hour a week job, unless you're shooting a ton of weddings, which is definitely possible. But, or, or even um, just working inefficiently. Right. I think that's one of the biggest problems. Photographers talk about being so, quote, busy. But the reality is they're probably working very inefficiently. And as you point out, the actual work is maybe 15, 20 hours of work. Absolutely. And, and once you start viewing yourself as an entrepreneur instead of a creative, a lot of things can happen. So just kind of going back to my story, right? Once I started hiring uh, people to do my editing work, I was going from working like 25 hours a week, like I said, to like really like 15 hours a week. Yeah. So I had the rest of the time to start building other streams of income. So as a wedding photographer, we probably topped off at like 150 grand a year. And then after we started uh, delegating a lot of things and starting to have that time to build a separate company on Photobooth Supply Co., the next year we did seven figures or a million dollars. And then once we, again, at that point, we're like, okay, now we have to hire a salesperson. Now we got to hire a support person and keep that same mentality of an entrepreneur. Right. Then we were the triple that. So we went from like a hundred grand to one million to three million in the span of three years. Just put that mindset. So again, it, today's talk isn't really about creating passive income. Today's mm. talk really at the core of it is you're not a creative guys. You are an entrepreneur. So respect that respect that ultimately in the end, you are there to serve the shareholders, which is yourself and create profit for you. Right. And ultimately in the end, the more profit you make is means that the more help that you're giving other people, because people are only going to pay you if you're helping them. So don't think of it as like you're a money hungry person, right? You are serving more people by making more money. You are giving back to the world by making more money. Okay. Yeah, I, I like and I like how you shifted the conversation that there, because you're right. I think if if somebody sees, um, even if we title this this podcast episode "Passive Income for Photographers," a lot of people probably shut down or just ignore it. What we're really talking about is a t- intelligent income, and I like the focus that you that you put on profit. I mean, at the end of the day, that's largely what we're talking about: profit. And profit isn't just the actual money being made, but the time that it requires to make that money. We have the ability, as Brandon's pointing out, to work more intelligently so that we are more profitable, not just financially, but with our time as well. That combination is where the gold's really at. Now, the reality is a photo booth is an opportunity to generate intelligent income, uh, playing on that idea. And Brandon, I, I would love for you just to share briefly how our listeners can can go about at least learning more about Photo Booth Supply Co. and, and what it looks like to actually get started with a photo booth there. Yeah, if you guys are interested in learning more uh, about a photo booth business or creating passive income in general, our website has a ton of free materials. So as Nathan pointed out earlier, we do have a profit calculator. So you can see how much a photo booth business can make you. We also have a demand calculator too. So you can actually enter in what state you live in and it'll actually show you how many Google searches 
a year there are for photo booth rentals in your area. So you can essentially gauge for yourself, hey, is this worth starting or is it not? Is there demand here? Can I make money? And at that point, the next step is we have tons of free guides. We have an amazing ebook and video series called Six Steps to Six Figures, where one of our amazing owners, uh, Catalina, she went from zero to six figures in one year um, starting a photo booth business. And she was a wedding photographer before. Um, we also have a pricing webinar to teach you how to price your photo booth. We also have a, an ebook to teach you how to actually book photo booth events before you even buy the photo booth. So you can actually um, crowdfund your photo booth with your existing clients wow. um, and essentially get a photo booth for free. So yeah, tons of free stuff, photoboothsupplyco.com. We also put a lot of interesting facts and tips and tricks on our Instagram as well. If you want to follow that, our stories, our highlight stories on there has a bunch of awesome free stuff too. So that's uh, instagram.com slash photoboothsupplyco. Perfect. And of course, uh, last but not least, if you want to see Brandon's wonderful profile picture on his personal Instagram, oh God, you can go to Brandon <laughs> underscore Wong and we'll put that in the show notes too. Um, I really appreciate your time, Brandon, and and ultimately sharing your experience, the advice, the, the tools that you've learned over the years about what it means to generate more intelligent income. Thanks for sharing with all of our listeners. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.